This episode is sponsored by Good Clean Love, my absolute favorite line of sexual health and feminine hygiene products. Good Clean Love has been helping women enhance their sexual pleasure and improve their reproductive health all without toxic substances like petrochemicals, parabens, and hormones, which unfortunately are found in most personal lubricant and feminine hygiene product companies. Good Clean Love was the first company to develop an organic personal lubricant, which was named the safest lubricant on the market in the National Institute of Health study. Working with scientists from Johns Hopkins University, they developed Biomatch, a revolutionary formula in their feminine hygiene and vaginal care products that matches the optimal vaginal pH and salt balance, which is incredibly important, especially for women with pelvic pain. A lot of us have a pH that is not balanced, and these products really, really help bring the vaginal pH back into balance. So if you wanna check these products out, Go to their website, www.goodcleanlove.com, and you can use the code HANNA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. That's H-A-N-N-A-H-10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. guys happy wednesday i hope everyone is doing okay staying safe feeling good and just taking it day by day i know i've said this before but i'll say it again i will keep on recording episodes for you guys every single week um although they won't be in person which is how i usually record my episodes i've figured out how to make them remote so all of the episodes will be remote from now on until this quarantine madness is over. But I do have a lot of content that is still scheduled, podcast episodes that will still be released every week. So I'm excited about that and I'm just happy to be able to continue to share information with you all. But today's episode is actually an episode that I recorded before this coronavirus craziness began so it is an in-person recording with an amazing neurologist based in new york city and i hope that you guys enjoy this and find it interesting and helpful and there's some more great content coming your way in the next few weeks so stay tuned and i hope you enjoy this episode Today I'm here with Dr. Angelish Kumar, a board-certified urologist and the founder of Women's Urology New York. Dr. Kumar specializes in urologic issues such as recurrent UTIs, urinary frequency and urgency, leakage of urine, painful bladder syndrome, pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, problems emptying the bladder, vaginal laxity, and genitourinary symptoms of menopause. 
She also diagnoses and treats patients with general urologic conditions such as microscopic hematuria, kidney stones, and bladder cancer. After practicing urology in both private group and hospital-based settings, Dr. Angelish Kumar recognized the need to redesign the urology experience for women and create a welcoming space where women could receive high-quality information and state-of-the-art treatment options. At Women's Urology New York, they place patient education and comfort at the core and emphasize the importance of making informed decisions. They respect each person's individual philosophies and preferences and tailor treatment plans based on the discussion between the doctor and the patient. In addition, they seek to provide convenience in communicating with the office and scheduling appointments so patients can avoid having to navigate the complexities of a large medical system. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So first, tell us how you got started in this field and how this came to be your career. So while I was a medical student, I was doing my surgery rotation at the Leahy Clinic. And from the minute I walked into an operating room, I really fell in love with um, surgery and and, um, seeing patients, uh, being able to help them in that way. And so what I had was my second week of my surgery rotation. Um, We had a urology um, portion of it. Um, and I loved all the, the surgeries that they were doing. I loved the people in urology. Um, I loved the breadth of the field. Like you could be doing anything from um, endoscopic procedures where you put a small camera in and, and in the urinary tract and you look in the bladder or you look up all the way into the kidney and you can treat a kidney stone. Um, or you could do big open surgeries like when people would have their whole bladder removed for bladder cancer. Um, and you could also do female urological procedures for incontinence and pelvic organ prolapse. Um, so it was a combination of the types of surgeries and the types of problems that we could fix, um, as well as the fact that you could treat patients both medically and with surgery. Mm-hmm. And so something that I know you specialize in that I want to focus our conversation today on is genitourinary syndrome of menopause and although you treat so many other urological conditions and, and issues and problems um, this is something that I thought would be a great topic to focus on today because I have had other urologists and specialists come on and talk about other bladder conditions but never this specific topic um, mm-hmm. So when we were connected, I was excited to focus on this one in specific. So first, can you explain what genitourinary syndrome of menopause is? And maybe we should start with what even is menopause? So menopause is when the ovaries finally stop producing estrogen. And that happens in women typically around age 51 or 52. And the vagina, the whole vulvar area, the lower urinary tract, meaning the bladder and urethra, Uh, as well as the pelvic floor, these are all estrogen sensitive areas. And what we see in women after menopause is that they tend to develop symptoms like recurrent urinary tract infections, urinary urgency and frequency. Suddenly they might notice that they're experiencing leakage of urine, whereas they weren't before. And a lot of times women can experience just irritative symptoms like vaginal dryness or pain during intercourse. Uh, So it's a whole constellation of symptoms that finally received a a formal name called the genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And about 50% of women who are postmenopausal will experience these types of symptoms. Uh, And it's really important that we recognize it because it goes 
very underdiagnosed. Um, a lot of women will see doctors and have these types of issues, and a lot of doctors won't recognize that it is related to menopause. As a urologist, um, I started learning more about this condition because I would be sent patients for burning with urination or recurrent urinary tract infections. Um, and when I would examine them, I would notice that they had something called atrophic vaginitis, where the, the lining or the skin that lines the vagina and the vulvar area would be very thin and sometimes pale. Um, and a lot of times when people were coming in for burning with urination, it wasn't actually that their urethra was burning, but it, it was burning the vulvar area if the urine made contact with the tissue. Uh, and so I began to start diagnosing this condition and a lot of women can be treated successfully with estrogen cream. Uh, that works really well and it's pretty safe. Um, and so I began to learn more and more about atrophic vaginitis, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, um, and other uh, aspects of menopause that could uh, affect women's bladder, urethra, and pelvic floor. So a question that I am just so curious about is, why are so many doctors not diagnosing women properly with this? Like, how did their training as a urologist differ from your training or your experience or the way that you diagnose? So interestingly, it's it's not something that I even learned about mm -hmm. in training. Um, genitourinary syndrome of menopause and atrophic vaginitis were things that I learned about actually while I was in practice. And so it was in that every day seeing patients with how did you know what it even like was if you didn't learn about it you know what i mean yeah i do know what you mean and i think that that's exactly the reason why it does go underdiagnosed. i think most doctors aren't very well trained mm -hmm. in identifying it and treating it um, i think the other issue is that there's a real fear of estrogen and even though using topical estrogen cream is not the same thing as using um, systemic hormone replacement therapy um, a lot of doctors are afraid to, and a lot of patients as well, mm -hmm. are afraid to use estrogen. Um, and so for me, because it was an area of interest, uh, when I went to um, one of the major urologic conferences, they had a female sexual dysfunction section in the conference. And because this was an area of interest, I went to that talk <laughs> um, and I became even more interested in these types of conditions um, and how we can address the underlying causes um, and make women essentially feel a lot more comfortable. Um, a lot of times women were being put on multiple courses of antibiotics with everybody thinking that they had a urinary tract infection uh, or women were suffering from their relationships deteriorating because intercourse was becoming just too painful um, and so I found that it was it was an area that I was already in because right. I was already examining the urethra, the vagina, the whole area. Um, and I, it, it, you know, it made sense to me to not look past um, those other issues mm -hmm. uh, that can really affect someone's quality of life. And it's crazy because, as you said, 50% of women that go through menopause will develop some of these symptoms. So it's so prevalent yet so underdiagnosed. That's right. And mm -hmm. and exactly what you were saying is that I think a lot of um, healthcare providers aren't aware of uh, genitourinary syndrome of menopause um, and, and the findings that are associated with it. Um, and sometimes women aren't asked those questions when they go see a doctor. Right. 
um, and they themselves don't know that it could be associated with menopause. Um, so it's really important that you know we're we're we advocate for ourselves. A hundred percent. Can you kind of just recap what? the main symptoms of genitourinary syndrome of menopause are, you know, if there's women listening that are in the age range of, of menopause and think they may have some of these symptoms, what are the classic, you know, top symptoms? Absolutely. So we see increased urinary frequency and urgency, uh, increased propensity to leak urine, which can mean if you cough, laugh, or sneeze, you may start leaking. Uh, that happens because you start to lose collagen around the urethra in menopause. Uh, if you do have the urge to urinate, you may feel like it's harder to hold it, like you used to be able to just hold it until you got to the bathroom and now you just can't do that anymore. Um, it can be painful intercourse, um, so vaginal dryness and pain during sex. Uh, it can be increased uh, propensity to getting urinary tract infections. A lot of women um, never really had any problem with UTIs when they were younger and now suddenly uh, they get a UTI or, and they feel like it just doesn't go away or they're getting them much more often. Mm -hmm. uh, and that has a lot to do with uh, the lack of estrogen in the vagina. And so, so that's exactly what I was gonna go back to is the lack of estrogen. Are all of these symptoms from a lack of estrogen? Well, they, they work a little bit differently. Right. So, so, so the general answer is yes. But uh -huh. for example, with recurrent urinary tract infections, having a well estrogenized vagina is very protective against getting urinary tract infections because when you have estrogen in the vagina, you're able to maintain a healthy vaginal microbiome mm -hmm. and a normal acidic vaginal pH. That renders the vagina an environment which is not um, good for bacteria that cause UTIs to grow in. Right. Um, and so when that changes and the vaginal pH is no longer acidic and you no longer have that healthy bacteria, uh, it's very easy for bacteria which cause urinary tract infections to use the vagina as a reservoir. Um, so that's how estrogen is important for recurrent urinary tract infections. For incontinence, um, like we discussed, the, uh, the collagen around the urethra uh, s starts to fade away um, and so you no longer have the same support around the urethra and then it's felt to be that the bladder also becomes more sensitive with lack of estrogen because um, there are estrogen receptors in the bladder. So for women who have these symptoms and you know they come into your office and you suspect that it's probably related to menopause what are the treatment options and solutions that you kind of offer them? So luckily we have various types of treatment options. Um, first and foremost, if I do suspect that the problem is coming from genitourinary syndrome of menopause, um, I really favor using estrogen cream in the vagina. Uh, it's very safe. It's not like using systemic hormone replacement therapy. It doesn't elevate your blood level of estrogen to a premenopausal woman the way it would if you used an estrogen patch or took an estrogen pill. So it's just working locally and it can work extremely well for those symptoms. We also recommend various types of moisturizers, usually a vaginal moisturizer that has hyaluronic acid 
uh, in it works really well. But the nice thing about being able to use topical estrogen is that it actually changes the, the, the tissue so that that layer of cells on the outside becomes thicker, uh, well lubricated, uh, and is able to perform its normal function. Now for some women who, let's say, can't use topical estrogen, if it's a patient who has a history for, let's say, breast cancer, or maybe they are using topical estrogen and it's just not working well enough, uh, now we have energy-based therapies where we can do like a resurfacing of the uh, vaginal and vulvar tissue, um, and we can also use energy-based devices to stimulate the growth of collagen and new blood vessels to create healthy vaginal tissue. Mm -hmm. um, for women who have really bad bladder symptoms, let's say like overactive bladder, um, we also have targeted therapies for the bladder. So we can get into bladder retraining, we can get into medication that helps the bladder store urine more effectively. Um, we have types of like nerve therapies that help with overactive bladder. Um, so we can target both the genitourinary syndrome of menopause uh, as well as the individual symptoms like overactive bladder or stress incontinence. And so it's, that's why I think if someone is suffering from those symptoms, it's really good to see a urologist or a urogynecologist uh, who has experience with that. And you mentioned using you know, vaginal moisturizers with high, how do you pronounce it? Hyaluronic acid. With hyaluronic <laughs> acid. Um, are there any specific like brands that you recommend or companies that make these products for women listening if they want to, you know, if they're thinking of going to buy something yeah. I know that not all not all products are the same. Yeah, so there there are a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure I don't even know about you know each individual um, product with hyaluronic acid. Uh, the ones I use are there's one called Hyalogyne, um, and that that's a really good moisturizer. I also sometimes have it made at, at a compound pharmacy. Um, so they put in hyaluronic acid and vitamin E, and it's like in a capsule or a suppository. Mm -hmm. Um, and my patients like using that as well. Um, there are other vaginal moisturizers like um, Replens and Refresh. Um, so there are a number of them on the market, but the ones that I typically use are the ones that I compound and hyalogyne. And in terms of estrogen, if someone or you know, if someone's listening to this and they, as we said, suspect that the symptoms that they're having are related to menopause and a lack of estrogen, can they ask their urologist or gynecologist wherever they live in the country or the world to create compound estrogen cream, a topical cream for them? Or are there specific doctors that you have to see that specialize in this in order to make that cream or that product? So that's an interesting question. Um, so there are estrogen creams which are commercially available. Not all of them need to be compounded. Mm -hmm. um, you can write a prescription for them. Um, sometimes if I have a patient who uh, has like very thin skin and it's very sensitive and they can't use the commercial preparation because there's something in the base that's irritating to them. I'll have estradiol compounded in something called VersaBase, which is a very hypoallergenic neutral base. Um, so there are some situations that I will have it compounded. Um, sometimes we'll even combine it with a little testosterone because that can also help and that's something that you do have to have compounded. But if it's just topical estrogen, that's something that um, we can write a prescription for. Now, as to your question, you know, about who is going to write this prescription, <laughs> uh, 
that's an interesting question because there are definitely some gynecologists, some primary care physicians, some urologists who are very comfortable prescribing it, and then there are others who just are not. Um, and so I think if a woman suspects that she's having these symptoms and they may be due to menopause and she's having painful intercourse um, and the doctor that she's seeing isn't comfortable prescribing it, the best thing is to say, okay, well, you know, who would you recommend? Right. Um, you know, is there, if, if you're seeing, for example, a gynecologist and the gynecologist doesn't want to prescribe it, you may want to say, is there a menopause specialist or a urogynecologist who you can recommend? Uh, because it is variable. Um, just like in any profession, we all have our certain areas that we like to focus in. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are going to be some urologists who are very comfortable using it and, and, and who, are, who really favor using it. Uh, and then there are going to be other ones who don't have much experience prescribing it and so don't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that ties perfectly into the next question that I wanted to ask you. But women who, again, live you know, not in New York, somewhere else in the world, in other countries, do you have any pieces of advice as to how they can go about finding the right doctor that can help them with these issues? Like, are there certain qualifications a doctor should have or are there anything, is there anything in specific that they should look for? I think what they should look for um, is basically a specialization in women's health mm -hmm. um, because you can have doctors who are primary care doctors who specialize in menopause health um, as well as gynecologists and urologists. Uh, one of the best resources is the International Urogynecologic Society. Mm -hmm. um, they have a list of doctors who specialize in urogynecology and women's health. Um, and so for women internationally, I think that's a great resource. Here in the U.S., there, there's the American Urogynecologic Society, which is also a great resource, and the North American Menopause Society. Um, so both of those are, you can go on their website and there will be like a find a provider and you can actually type in your zip code um, and see, you know, who's who's good. Because I think, you know, the first, the first person you're going to see is going to be your primary care doctor or your general gynecologist. And if you feel like you're having an issue and they're not treating it, you know, beyond um, what what you feel is adequate, right? Um, then you want to ask them, you know, I'd like to see a specialist. You know, who would you recommend? And then if they're if if they don't really know anyone, if you're in like a rural area where there aren't so many people specializing in this, um, then you can go to one of those websites and see. And what's great now is that there are so many great telemedicine options for people who don't have those specialists, you know, within some reasonable distance. Um, like there's a site called Genev where people can literally do a menopause consult with a healthcare provider um, online or That's on the really phone. That's really cool. Yeah, which is I think for people who are in areas where they don't have a lot of doctors specializing in this. Um, the, the, that's just a tremendous resource to mm -hmm. have. Um, and, um, you know, there are other uh, women's health websites where people can do telemedicine consults. Um, I think it just matters, you know, what state you're in and you have to see a, a provider who has a license in that state. Um, but it really simplifies things. And that's really helpful to know because I know that there's a lot of women who listen 
who are in rural rural areas throughout the country and they don't have great access to lots of providers. So something like that could potentially be incredibly helpful. Definitely. And then, you know, for women who are having more severe bladder symptoms, um, there are a lot of, like, especially for, like, recurrent UTIs, for example, um, there are a lot of good Facebook groups. Uh, you know, people definitely mention, like, who they see, who's helped them, you know, what their doctors have told them. Um, and then there are websites like the IC Network, which is great, which has a ton of information. There's mm -hmm. also a provider finder on there. Um, so I think that there's a lot of resources outside of you know what your general doctor um, may be able to tell you right um, and so that's why advocating for your own health and what you need is so important because you know you may be somewhere where people aren't well trained in menopause and genitourinary syndrome of menopause um, and these issues and so you've kind of got to like do the research yourself yeah. and, <laughs> and figure it out like you have <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure um something else that I wanted to ask you before but I'm just remembering now is and we you may have touched upon this but I want to ask you again just to elaborate a little bit more on how genitourinary syndrome of menopause affects the pelvic floor and can cause pelvic floor dysfunction and pelvic pain symptoms well, there's essentially two ways. So, so the connective tissue in the pelvic floor is felt to be estrogen sensitive. And so you can get some laxity in the pelvic floor uh, from menopause. And so for that reason, you may see increased bladder leakage. Uh, the, other, the other way it can cause pelvic floor dysfunction is because if a woman is trying to have intercourse and it's very painful because there's dryness and you lose elasticity in the vagina, when you feel pain in that area, the pelvic floor muscles clamp down. The mm -hmm. same as when you're, you know, your shoulders or your neck tense when you're in a stressful situation. And when those muscles clamp down, they may not fully relax again. And, and then you start to build lactic acid up in the muscles and in the pelvis, and then you start it, it starts becoming painful. Mm -hmm. um, so it can be either from the actual lack of estrogen, or it can be from what's happening in the vagina is painful, and then the pelvic floor muscles are reactive, and then you generate a cycle of pain from that. Mm -hmm. And do you find sometimes that topical estrogen and the other like laser procedures that you do in your practice help with the vaginal pain? Or like do you yes. ever refer them or send them out to physical pelvic floor physical therapists and like use that as part of the treatment plan? So it depends. If I really think that the pain is arising from um, very thin, sensitive vaginal tissue, mm -hmm. then the first step is using topical estrogen. If that's not working well enough, then we do have a procedure called the Mona Lisa Touch, which is a, a CO2 laser, which does essentially like a re-epithelialization of the tissue. And I do think that that works really well. Mm -hmm. um, if I think that the primary issue is pain because the pelvic floor muscles won't relax, mm -hmm. then definitely pelvic floor physical therapy uh, has a major role in right. correcting that, and I, I will absolutely refer the patient to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Mm -hmm. So another question that I that I really want you to touch upon and that I'm actually starting to ask like all the doctors that come on the podcast because I think it's so important is if you have any advice for women as to even if they find the right doctor to help them navigate these issues, 
is there something specific they should say or do or a way that they can advocate for themselves like any advice you have in regards to that like how they can talk to the practitioner because I've realized and I've learned that women have so much trouble actually like finding the language to explain their problems Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any suggestions as to how women can figure out how they can use that language and use the right language to explain to their doctors what's what is going on in their bodies and what they're feeling and everything yeah that's a great question um i think that it's really important to emphasize if something is is bothering you that the extent to which it's affecting your quality of life Um, And I think if your doctor is not giving you answers that you find are helpful or you're feeling just sort of dismissed, I think you want to say directly to that person, um, look, I I understand this may not be a big part of your practice or it may be, you know, outside the scope of your expertise. Is there someone else you can refer me to who specializes um, more in this area? Um, And I I really don't think that that's an offensive question to ask. I think it's a very reasonable question to ask. I completely agree. And and so I think if if you feel, and you know, women, we we know ourselves, we know our bodies. Um, We know when something's like bothering us a little bit and it's just gonna go away or when something's really bothering us and we've gotta do something about it. Um, And so when we have that feeling, we have to listen to our instincts. And if we're not getting the help that we need, we have to ask that person, you know, who else can I see? Um, And do the research on our own to look for other providers. And you can even say to your doctor, you know, I looked up this person, Um, do you know him or her? Would you recommend them? Now, a lot of doctors have information about their practices on their website. And so when you look at their website, you're able to see what they specialize in. So for example, in urology, you could be, you know, you, if you have genitourinary syndrome of menopause, you don't really want to be going to the specialist who, who takes care of, you know, like, only kidney stones. Right. <laughs> and so um, we all have our different areas. Some people in urology focus on urologic oncology. Some people focus in female urology. Some people really do general urology. Um, and so you have to think that every doctor is different. Every doctor is going to have their area of interest and their, and their area of focus. Um, And so I think when you look at that doctor's website, their profile, when you're sort of vetting, you're going through that process of, is this the person I should see? You really want to pay attention to um, whether they focus on the types of problems that you're experiencing. Because we do have so many people who are super specialized. um, And I think that you're absolutely right for women to get to that person. You know, that very step may be the biggest barrier uh, in getting help. Um, and so, you know, thankfully now it's, we're easily able to do a lot of research uh, on our own and we don't just have to rely on whoever we're referred to. Um, and so it's easier to take that next step uh, and go see the right person. You gave so many resources before, but are there any other resources that you have to recommend? You mean as far as um, types of doctors that people should like see? Like a book or? or websites or anything? Um, yeah, there's a great book uh, by a woman called Elizabeth Stewart uh, that's called The V-Book. And it's actually she actually wrote it for doctors, but I think it's great for patients too. It's called The V-Book, A Doctor's Guide to Complete Vulvovaginal Health. 
Um, and it goes over, you know, even a lot of aspects of yeast infections, bacterial vaginosis, vaginal hygiene. We're um, looking at the Amazon page. I want to order it now. <laughs> <laughs> the anatomy. Yeah. Um, I, I actually found that book really helpful um, because when I started becoming interested in these issues, um, I read it, I think it was like on the plane on my way back from a conference. And, you know, it was one of those books that I couldn't put down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to order it after, the, <laughs> after we finish. Um, amazing. Thank you. And where can people contact you? Um, so my website is www.womensurology.com and there are options to either schedule a consult or um, ask a question. Uh, and then people can also email us at info at womensurologynewyork.com and the women's uh, is without an apostrophe and it's all spelled out. Um, so it's W-O-M-E-N-S u-r-o-l-o-g-y-n-e-w-y-o-r-k um and um i'm happy to uh answer any questions anyone has or talk further about any of the things that we've discussed um they're all really interesting and important topics thank you so much for being here and for first of all doing the amazing work that you do it's so important and clearly such a prevalent issue so we need more practitioners like you who are really specializing in in this area of women's health And again, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. Likewise. And if anyone has any questions for us at The Beehive, you can send an email to info at thebeehive.com and follow us on Instagram at The Beehive and check out our website, www.thebeehive.com. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.